Hello and welcome back to season two of Fertility Talks, the Therapy Fertility Podcast. I'm your host, Renee Von Medin, and I'm so excited to be back hosting our second season of this podcast, bringing you honest conversation and information about infertility and fertility treatment in Ireland. Each week, I'll be sitting down with a different guest and chatting all things fertility. As always, our hope for this series is that we can strip away some of the stigma that sometimes comes hand in hand with infertility and fertility treatment. This week, I'm very excited to have a special guest, our head of nursing at Therapy Fertility, Melissa Mark. Welcome, Melissa. Hi, Rini. <laughs> Thank you so much for agreeing to be our very first guest this season. Thank you for inviting me. <laughs> is this your first podcast? It is. You can tell I'm a little bit nervous. <laughs> <laughs> well, you've done other things like this with me, so you will yeah, be fine. You, you put me at ease. So. Good, good. <laughs> um, so I was just thinking that we're going to just kick off. And if you would like to maybe tell our listeners and our watchers, what brought you to Therapy Fertility? And what was that journey for you? How did you start your career in nursing and fertility? So um I suppose I think I'm a little bit more unusual in that I'm general trained because I find that infertility a lot of the the nursing team are are midwife Mm -hmm. backgrounds. Um, So I trained in Scotland um, and I actually trained with a a girl from Dublin. That's how I ended up over here. There was a job (laughs) and she'd moved home and there was a job here and I came over for a year and that's 12 or 13 years ago now. I was working in um, a dialysis based position and very luckily just got um, an, an opportunity to help out in a fertility clinic. And when I went there, I was just like, this is the place for me. Just found it so interesting. I still find it so interesting every day. Um, so I've worked in fertility seven and a half years, I think now, and then um, got an opportunity to, to come on board with therapy um, last year which I jumped at so so funny I I didn't know you used to work in dialysis I would have just I knew you worked in general (laughs) but I would have thought you worked in fertility forever because anyone who meets you and I think anyone who's come to the clinic and has has had you would just feels your you know enthusiasm and love for for the field I I, I really do I just I've I've never have that feel I mean okay some Monday mornings you might think I'd rather not go into work (laughs) but I never ever feel like um I don't want to go to work I just yeah I find it such an enjoyable environment to be in I just I think it the fact that infertility things change so much all the time Mm. um it's always so interesting yeah and it's really specialized and from a nursing point of view I just love that yeah okay so let's talk about therapy fertility so um we've been open since last july yeah so started seeing patients in july Mm -hmm. um and then started sort of procedures and treatments then in the september Mm -hmm. um and things are just progressing fantastically we're so happy Um, it's busy right it is yeah yeah so i suppose Therapy fertility is a a little bit different in that um, we are saying we are a nurse-led clinic. Mm -hmm. Um, So how we're doing things in therapy is a little bit different to to where I've worked before as well. And um, the the biggest difference being that when patients come in to therapy, they're initially seen by a nurse. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So one of the biggest things is that it's Mm nurse-led. What are the other 
kind of headline items that make us a little bit different. I think we'll have to talk about the fact um, that the the cost of treatment with us is much cheaper. Um, I think that certainly we're making it a little bit more accessible to people. Um, I think cost is something that we all knew was a factor for Mm. people's treatment, but none of us really appreciated how much until we started seeing people. Mm. Um, Just, I would say, a lot of younger people coming through and people who will, will just say to you I would never have been able to yeah. um, afford to go ahead with treatment people that I've met patients that had actually been in contact with clinics to go abroad yeah because financially that was but so many them. people yeah over the last decade mm-hmm. and more have been going abroad yeah um and one of the reasons of is forced of, to nearly yeah. um but we've had people that were, were almost in the process of you know signing consents and things to go and then we're just like thank goodness we've got this opportunity to stay yeah in Ireland and and have treatment here yeah so um cost is a big factor and then I think the other kind of big thing is the kind of streamlining of the actual services that are offered as opposed to offering everything yeah it's kind of offering a few fewer things Mm -hmm. but doing them really really well yeah and that's something that um obviously is a vision of of john's dr Kent sure. is to have that yeah. and i think something that we all so we've our team has came from loads of different clinics which is fantastic we have so much different um experiences mm-hmm. and things there and i think we thought that going into this would be a little bit harder pulling back from all of that because we've all came from places where we did all these add-ons and extras and you you're really invested in them when you're sure. you're doing them um, but we've all just taken a step back, so, um, and it just has, has made it so much easier, I think, yeah. for for patients. Mm. I think one of the things that we, because we thought there'd be a lot of not pushback from patients, but they'd kind of almost be put off a little bit by yeah. that. But I find that patients are kind of thinking, oh, great, okay, so I don't need to make this decision to go ahead with something that I, you know, because they were almost in this situation where they felt like something had been suggested, mm. and they felt if they didn't do it and then if it was unsuccessful yeah it would be on them negatively yeah, impacted yeah, yeah. on their, their treatment. i personally know from going through treatment myself yeah. and my wife that if there was ever talk of anything extra mm-hmm. of course yeah of course you're gonna yeah. find the money to do it of course you are because you're putting so much money and effort and mm-hmm. time and everything into this mm-hmm. that if there's even a chance that something that costs an extra grand is gonna help yeah and you're gonna try it I mean I think from my point of view even it was kind of we were always like we're just we're dotting the i's we're crossing the t's we're just in case yeah and you really and I think we probably if we're honest everybody then there kind of all was maybe a little bit nervous about what was stepping back from this Mm, going to impact mm -hmm. on things and just like the results that we're seeing Mm. it's just fantastic and it's so reassuring um and I think we're all just really on board with that sort of more streamlined processes that we're doing we're just taking a lot of the noise away from yeah so it's really just kind of back to basics and the the things that are kind of evidence-based and proven and that's kind of what I would say to people when I'm, I'm meeting them um sometimes they'll come in haven't been maybe done treatment elsewhere or they know somebody that's mm. done something and they'll ask us about it and I just it's having that sort of conviction to say do you know what there isn't the evidence to, sure. to say that that's any benefit and we're not trying to put down any of other places yep. where they are doing I think there's definitely places for certain treatments mm-hmm. but here we're just trying to 
um, really, as you said, focus on the and doing the basics really, really well. Yeah. Okay. So let's talk about when someone first comes to um, therapy. Um, what are the options? That, that they have, like yeah. what are those things that we're, we're offering? So the treatments that we're offering in therapy are, so IUIs, mm-hmm. um, IVF or ICSI, mm-hmm. um, then we're looking at options for same-sex couples, mm-hmm. so it would be IVF and ICSI with donor sperm or reciprocal mm-hmm. IVF, mm-hmm. Um, and then there's also the, the treatment using donor sperm as well. Yep. Okay. Um, and sorry, I should mention egg freezing as well. Yeah, which is big big one <laughs> yeah. for us. Yeah, yeah really. Okay. So let's let's talk just briefly about IVF and ICSI. So most people listening to this will kind of have a good idea mm-hmm. of what IVF and ICSI is, but for some some people who maybe don't know, it, it you know you kind of get this image of like eggs and sperm and a, a petri dish and you know, which is yeah I suppose essentially <laughs> it's is, not wrong yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> when we talk about IVF it's talking about fertilization of egg and sperm happening out with the body so in a lab environment. Mm-hmm. Okay, so how how do you get eggs? How do you get sperm? Yeah, so um, the IVF process for um, the the female coming through, um, the I suppose the, the hardest bit of work is done mm-hmm. um, in the the lead up to that, and that's by taking medications. Um, those medications are injections, mm-hmm. um, which sometimes people are a bit nervous about, but they are all pros by the end of it. Um, so essentially, you take some medications to stimulate your ovaries. So we're trying to mimic really what's happening in a natural cycle but where there's one times it by yeah 100. yeah where there's one <laughs> follicle growing in a natural cycle we're trying to get more follicles yeah. to, to grow um and we monitor your response to medications um through ultrasound scans and then we bring that person in for an egg collection procedure so the eggs are essentially collected yes um, so an egg collection procedure is probably the most daunting part of the, yeah. the cycle, I would say, for a person. Um, I'm the worst patient in the world, Renee. I'm sure <laughs> any. <laughs> I, I've worked with some doctors that say I never want to treat you because I'm I'm, I'd be a real nervous person. Mm. So I totally understand that. And um, it's trying to just explain to people that it's it is something that is a outpatient's procedure so it's so it's it's trying to um what am I trying to say here I'm trying to not downplay it but just say that it's something that you would absolutely tolerate you'd be totally thing. fine yes, yeah yeah it's not it's not you know something that anyone wants it's not like absolutely a day at the spa yeah but yeah. you do get some nice medication yeah you feel a bit you know I am a bit relaxed um the thing is when you come in for an egg collection there's no point in me telling you it don't worry about oh it. you'll be fine, you'll be fine. yeah like I, I know I wouldn't sleep the night before it and sure. I'd be nervous but the thing to what I try to say to people is that when you come in for your procedure um, you know you can bring your partner in with you into the sort of ward area or if, if you were coming through on your own you can have somebody come through with you while sure. you get ready um, when you actually go through for the procedure you have to go through on your own but there's a nurse that's allocated there and all she's doing is, is supporting after you. you. Yeah, that's Isn't all that she's lovely? doing. So when you go into the procedure room, she'd be there. There'll also be a doctor and then there'll be a second nurse or healthcare assistant. Who's helping with the procedure. The yeah. yeah. Um, and you'd also meet um, a member of the, the lab team as well. because So those are the people who are actually going to be taking yeah, your eggs. Yeah. So when you go into the procedure room, um, there's you'd be in a bed there. And there's a little window or a hatch mm. there that goes through to the lab and, and they'll 
say hello to you and introduce themselves as well um, before the, the procedure starts. You're looking at this procedure being 15, 20 minutes, yeah. but you're going to be in the clinic for a couple of hours. Just recovering afterwards. Yeah, yeah. So we bring you in a sort of um, half an hour, 45 minutes before because there's lots of prep. You know, we need to bring you in fasted. We ask you lots of questions. We're going to get you ready. And then we bring you through into the procedure the procedure room and then back through onto the ward to recover okay so once the eggs are collected mm-hmm. um you need obviously sperm to complete the yeah. ivf or ICSI process yes um so how is how is that so obtained? so there's two options there with either so if somebody was coming through and they were using donor sperm mm-hmm. there'd be donor sperm already in storage in the clinic um that donor sperm sample would be thawed mm-hmm. and that would be used then for the the um, fertilization so if it's okay. ivf it's mixed in a dish yes they're put together yeah ICSI mm-hmm. um, is essentially just a variation of IVF. So what we're doing with ICSI is when, so the embryologists are um, taking that sperm sample, they're looking at that sperm under the microscope, they're selecting single sperm, mm-hmm. and then they are um, taking the eggs, they, they strip the outer cells off of the eggs, and they inject a single sperm into each egg. And, and do they do this when maybe the sperm like the motility is not great. yes so there's a, a few reasons why you might do ICSI um over IVF mm. obviously that's something that comes out of testing and things like that um but usually if there's a sort of known male factor we talk about so yeah. an issue with the sperm and mm. that might be motility um some of the other testing that we do so things like the DNA fragmentation mm-hmm. testing if that levels were high that can be an indication for ICSI Everything is very personalised to a, um, a couple coming through. There are different things that would indicate reasons for doing, say, a person's history if they've done treatment before. Yeah. Um, so we, we that's all taken into account when you're making a selection for why you would do one over the other. Okay. So, and if someone's coming through with a partner, their partner would give a sperm sample yeah, on the day. Yeah. So they would... Um, when the um, female partner is in having her egg collection, just before she go back through into recovery, the male partner would be brought through to the producing rooms there and they would provide a sample for us there. Perfect. And then same process. Exactly. Same process. Cool. In the lab. Okay. So that's IVF and ICSI. Mm-hmm. Um, let's talk briefly about IUI. I know it's not as popular, but yeah. you know, it still can be a good option. For yeah, certainly IUI is an option for some people. Um, so an IUI... I suppose it's a more um, basic step into to the fertility treatment. Um, it's not as invasive. Now, the actual medication regimes and things are very similar to mm-hmm. an IVF. Um, you still have to take injections. We still have to do the scans. But also, you're not having that um, egg collection procedure. Yeah, so, so the eggs are staying where they are yes, yeah. in the body. They're not, not taken out. Yeah, I'm not going to bring you in for an <laughs> invasive egg collection. But what we do is we then give you a day to come in to the clinic um, so the partner would um, provide a sperm sample, that sample is prepared in the lab and then the actual insemination procedure is um, something similar to somebody having like a smear test. Mm. Um, so definitely better ways to spend your time but you know <laughs> it's, uh, it's a quick, quick It's kind process. of a way of getting the sperm closer to... Yeah that's exactly what we're trying to do. Yeah. So we, we pass a speculum um, so we can see the cervix. We pop a little catheter through that cervix, um, and then the the catheter is just sitting into the the um, uterus, and we inject the sperm sample. And the idea being that you're trying to get the sperm as close to the egg at the time of ovulation then. to kind of encourage fertilization yeah. to occur. Yeah. Okay. 
Um, and then also then if it was a, a donor sperm sample, the, the same process, the sperm is, is thawed in the lab and um, we would just inject the sample. And why might someone do IUI over IVF? So there's, again, there's a few reasons. Sometimes it's a, a patient comes into us and says that's what they want to mm-hmm. do. Um, and then so also things like financially sometimes yeah. it can be a, um, mm-hmm. a, a choice because it's a little bit cheaper um it's as i said it's a, a sort of more like a uh a, basic a more basic sort of lead into to treatment sometimes if we think there's nothing there that's indicating any reason for why this someone's not receiving or if or if they're using donor sperm yeah or... yeah so um it's certainly i would say that there is not a huge amount of people going through for IUI. The majority of people are coming to us or coming yeah. for an IUI. I know cycle. talking to, to Dr. Kennedy on this quite a lot, and he always says that IVF and ICSI, even when it is unsuccessful, mm-hmm. you still learn something. Yeah, and that's what I can always say to people, that um, if an IUI cycle doesn't work, we don't really you have gain no idea. information from it. Yeah. IVF is a little bit diagnostic mm. when you're doing it because you're obviously seeing the egg and sperm. Yeah, in the so you can see, see like, and then you can see if it fertilizes and then if it only Absolutely. gets to day two yeah. or if it gets to day I always five. Say or... to people that it's not that when I talk about that, I don't mean that we can say, oh, look here, this is this is why it didn't yeah, work. Yeah, we yeah. know it's not that, but we do get a little bit more, more information, information as it. opposed to if an IUI doesn't work. Yeah, yeah. You, you don't know no. anything but it's certainly you know I think sometimes people just need to come in and, and, and do and, and not, yeah just to see what it's like mm-hmm. before they're ready yeah for sure and it's a good I suppose way of maybe because the medication regime is very similar mm. um sometimes they just feel that they want to try that before yep. doing an IVF and then for some people yeah. it's wildly successful yeah you know absolutely um sometimes when I tell people that the medications they, they come in very much with the idea of wanting to do an IUI and then when you I tell them about the meds yeah, they're like okay sort of fine a, in for a penny and <laughs> for a pound sort of thing and they, I mean yeah. I suppose the other good thing about IVF and ICSI is that if it you are successful and if you have extra embryos yeah. You get to freeze them and then you get another shot yeah. at having another embryo transfer without having Absolutely. to do a whole cycle. And it's um, and that's certainly something mm. to, to consider. And we yeah. and I talk about with patients yeah. is, is that, it, you know, I always am trying. I'm, I never want to I say to patients, I don't want to be like a black cloud or anything. But I'm, I'm always kind of saying mm. nothing that we do is a guarantee. But yeah. sometimes different options have got potentially better chances of outcome yeah and I think it's really important to be realistic and not to be you know making promises (laughs) yeah you can't keep you know I think it's um a fine line I don't want to be that yeah cloud but like you say be realistic to patients I think most people appreciate that I think so too um okay so let's move on to options for same-sex female couples so obviously we've talked about IVF ICSI IUI with donor sperm that's obviously um an option mm-hmm. and then we also do reciprocal IVF yeah. which is my favorite topic <laughs> <laughs> yeah so um reciprocal IVF um is essentially allowing a couple that um one person can come through and do an egg collection mm-hmm. and create embryos and then those embryos are available to be used by either of them either the or both yeah yeah so usually in that case one person will be the genetic parent yes. essentially and the other will be the gestational parent yeah, yeah so one gives eggs and one carries yes um so it's 
like it's fantastic to be able to, to isn't it gorgeous it really people. is yeah like you know obviously this is how we had yeah. our two kids <laughs> and it just blows my mind mm-hmm. you know that you know we live in a time where we can do this and it's a it's a beautiful way to have kids yeah it really is and I'm sure you've seen you know people coming it's through for this and yeah. isn't it it's it's just really special um and Although, like, I don't think that, oh, well, maybe working in fertility for seven years is a long time, but, you know, in the grand scheme of things, it's not a huge timeline. But to think that not that long ago, we, we didn't have that option. Yeah, sure. For, for like, in, you couldn't do it in 2018. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, it was only available from mm-hmm. 2019. So very, very new. And, you know, initially we made people sort of donate all their eggs. And, yeah, and yeah, it yeah. kind of, this just makes it a much nicer yeah. Um, process I think yeah. for, for it gives people more options yeah. you know so I suppose the actual physical process of that is the exact same really as an IVF with yeah. donor sperm except yeah. that one partner will do the stims and the egg collection mm-hmm. and the other partner will do the embryo transfer yeah and the important thing is that it's not so we don't there's not what we call synchronized cycles mm. so you're not there won't be a fresh transfer from that yep. we do the egg collection with one partner with one partner create embryos yeah, create embryos they're frozen and then um immediately following or transfer. whenever yeah the, whenever the couple that's the beauty of freezing embryos yeah because <laughs> you know someone you know say if a couple are you know buying a house or getting married or yeah. whatever they might want to get a head start on creating those embryos because yeah. as we all know the younger you are usually better. the better yeah. quality the eggs are mm-hmm. the more eggs you'll get um but then they might just not be ready to actually use them yeah um so it's great to know that well, they're there yeah lots of things that happen in life that mean that you have to postpone things um, yeah Certainly COVID has been one of those things for people right now. And it's yeah. been reassured that once you've got things like once I would say to people, once an embryo is in storage, it's frozen in time. Like, yeah. you know. Yeah. So if you create you've, embryos. You've almost bought a little yeah. bit of time that. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So if you create yeah. embryos when you're 32 with 32 year old eggs mm-hmm. and then you don't use them till you're 35, 36, 37, yeah. they're still 32 year old yeah. embryos. Yes. Yeah. Which is pretty cool. Um, so it's just you know it, it's not impact and it's not sometimes people ask that but mm. they, they worry about the freeze process and how yeah. that can impact and it's certainly not anything to be concerned yeah. about yeah okay cool so then the other kind of main thing that we're doing is egg freezing which yes. is really exciting yeah um so egg freezing has been around it's an option for for women for as long as I've worked in fertility so anyway. probably would have originally been an um only or mainly for for people going through kind of certain medical yeah, treatments yeah. Or, yeah so um obviously yeah, people would associate it with maybe somebody going to unfortunately like start treatment for cancer mm-hmm. and things like that but um certainly we're seeing changes in that yeah. to with people freezing eggs to try and preserve fertility yeah um and even so as I say, in the short time that I've worked in fertility, I'm even I'm seeing the difference in that, and that the the more numbers coming through, and because as I mentioned, cost being one of the things um, that we're that little bit cheaper. Yeah, certainly we're seeing far more women coming in to have that conversation, and much younger women because I would have been used to meeting people that were probably a little bit older mm. because they were the people that could financially afford to do it sure uh, what kind of ages of, of of people are you seeing coming in we're seeing people coming in in their their kind of late 20s now which is it's amazing yeah it is now not everybody's 
suitable or needs yeah, to or yeah. wants to go through but they're coming in and having yeah, a chat having and a chat. it's on their radar yeah mm. um i certainly i think i see both like both sides but people that come in and are quite adamant mm. people that are just a bit unsure and then when they actually find out what's involved or like whoa that's i know yet. yeah because <laughs> yeah. you probably get people coming in who are like oh it sounds like a nice thing to do yeah. and it's a bit trendy mm-hmm. and Maybe I'll just do this, put some eggs on yeah. ice, and then they realize, oh, I have to take medication yeah. and yeah. I have to have a procedure. And mm-hmm. I think you, I think you kind of see both. You'll see people that come in and they're really educated on it and mm. they know what it involves. And then the next person that's just kind of, yeah, the, I suppose they've just, it's something that they started to hear little whispers about. And so they want to get more information. Yeah, it's certainly something that's being talked about a lot more. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think even since, you know, we we went into a pandemic i think people are just kind of talking more and yeah definitely i saw a big change in the like when i after covid i think a lot of people thought that it would impact on people being able to afford coming through for mm. treatment and things because people lost jobs or things like that but it compl- it had the opposite effect it completely changed people's perspectives i were meeting people that um had said we were due to get married we'd postpone it and now actually our priorities have changed and this is what that's we're exactly what on. it is it's mm-hmm. priorities have yeah. changed so yeah. even if you know if financial situations are you know slightly different people are choosing where to spend yeah. their money now i think yeah. and and the thing was that people weren't going places um so yeah that was it certainly no holidays so let's have yeah, a baby let's have, <laughs> or yeah, freeze eggs yeah. or yeah. you know so um that's certainly but the it, but the biggest thing yeah like I say the change in priorities i think yeah um but yeah with the egg freezing it's and even you know things like where different companies are sometimes mm. offering it as well that's became more of a, a talking point i think yeah. i think sometimes um negatively which i don't know that it should be mm. um i think that it's anything that encourages people to be more informed is a good thing yeah i've been talking to a few people about egg freezing in the last few days and the mm. way i kind of see it is like if you know that you may at mm-hmm. some point in your life need a blood transfusion mm-hmm. and no one else is going to be able to give yeah. you some blood surely you would go and store some yeah. of your own yeah. that could be potentially used probably won't mm-hmm. be um and it's kind of like the same with eggs the majority of people who freeze eggs don't actually ever need to use them yeah but it's that. just a little bit of peace of mind mm-hmm. hopefully you'll get pregnant easily but you may not yeah and i think it you know we, start, we used to talk about egg freezing being like an insurance policy. It's but not. We've, no, it's, no, it's not really not because there's no, no guarantee, even no if guarantee you needed them, all. that any of those eggs but, would result in a pregnancy. Yeah, but we kind of say it's better than doing nothing. nothing. Yeah. Um, and I think if it just makes you feel a little bit more comfortable being a little bit more informed, mm. then... Yeah. I think it even makes people, as you say, kind of just be that bit more aware and have mm-hmm. it in the back of their mind that even if someone has frozen eggs they probably will kind of plan plan things out mm-hmm. a little bit more and yeah. kind of just be more aware and make mm-hmm. sure to kind of get regular kind of health checks yeah. and that yeah. sort of thing just because it's just mm-hmm. kind of taken away there you know and the, and sometimes when people come in for a consult for maybe egg freezing is what they say but actually it's just they want a little bit of reassurance fertility testing mm. and then you know you can say look if you're in the same situation in a year or two years then just this is something maybe you just will be yep. booking in for that you'll check your AMH yep. a bit more regular and you'll, it's just something that's on your radar um 
and far better to be proactive like that than to be you know because we I, I meet people all the time are saying I'm like I wish I, I knew. wish yeah yeah and I wish that I had done something about this sooner and yeah okay so testing mm-hmm. let's talk about testing because yeah. a lot of people do come in for testing and then don't go on to do any treatment yeah um so what are like the kind of the the main tests um, for men and women so I suppose there's a sort of there's a baseline investigations that we would do for somebody that was coming through for for treatment Mm -hmm. but there's some even a bit more stripped back for somebody that's just coming in for initial like investigation and with a bit of a query for fertility yeah and is there like a kind of package they can do yeah so if somebody was coming through um so we we talk about a a female fertility profile and that's for somebody that essentially is kind of thinking about going ahead with a treatment plan um we're looking at doing some baseline investigations Mm -hmm. so checking like a full blood count check they're not anemic things like that checking the rubella status that they're immune checking their thyroid because we know that can impact a lot in um, fertility and implantation um, checking a chlamydia and gonorrhea mm-hmm. test to make sure that that's clear and then the most important one in that the, the amh so the amh or anti-malarian hormone is the most associated test for female fertility um, it's an assessment of ovarian reserve or egg reserve um, I always explain to people it's a measurement of a hormone it's not sometimes people will get a result and they're like does that mean we're like oh my god yeah, 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 yeah. Like, no 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 yeah. no it's it it's an assessment um of that as i say ovarian reserve i was always say to people there's limitations to the test mm. when we do it i don't know what a person's egg reserve was like two years ago and i don't know what it's going to be like in two years time it's yeah. looking at the here and now yeah um and it doesn't give us anything it doesn't tell us anything about egg quality there isn't really any testing that we can except do if you do that. if you try to do IVF yeah. that's kind of a test yeah yeah um but I, I can't assess that on somebody before treatment but sure. AMH is how we then interpret that mm. as a fertility clinic mm-hmm. is firstly it helps us guide someone to how potentially proactive they'd need to be yeah. with proceeding mm-hmm. with an intervention of treatment potentially yeah um we use it if somebody's going ahead with treatment mm-hmm. to guide their medication doses yep. and it can also just help us guide that person to what we think um are sort of realistic egg numbers that they might collect and expectations kind of yeah, like absolutely. managing that yeah 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 um and then what are the other um investigations there would be scans yeah so that's a really good um thing to sorry bring up the the scan is an important part of that as well so when we're looking at egg reserve um the amh is part Mm -hmm. of that but there's a second test that we would always do sort of hand in hand with that is something called the antrophological count and that's essentially me looking at the ovary and Mm -hmm. counting the little potential follicles that are there um, and we'd hope that the AMH and the antrophological would kind of match up. Yeah, they should yeah. marry up. What would happen if they were like wildly if different? Would you kind of repeat? Yeah. So sometimes, um, it, it sometimes we don't repeat mm. it, um, but it just changes. Maybe again. So I said sometimes it guides us with the the medication mm. doses that we give. So if we just went off of an AMH, and that was maybe a higher number than we'd seen on the follicle count. Um, then you know we so if we look at both then it can help us amend the the dose yeah because you don't obviously want to be giving someone too much and overstimulating and then you don't want to be giving them too little and then you're not getting the results that you're expecting yeah Yeah. Yeah. um so the all of the scanning or sort of i would say 99.9 percent of the scanning that we do in fertility is vaginal scanning okay um (laughs) that's 
people's faces is sometimes hotter <laughs> when you say that um and back to my as I always say better ways to spend your time but you know yeah it's not totally, you know yeah you can you, you I've had it. I've had millions of them and yeah, you know you know your first one it's kind of like oh okay yeah but I've, I've had a few and I think because it is what it is yeah. and you know it's fine it is. it's uh, it's nowhere near as uncomfortable as like a smear, a smear test yeah. at all and that's what yeah. I'd sort of say to people so we're not passing a speculum or anything like yeah, that yeah. um so the main thing to kind of I would say to people is firstly it's something that is for us we're doing all the time mm-hmm. okay understand that's yeah. completely different for the poor person that's coming in to have that but that we're you know nothing that question or your anxiety is not going to be anything that we're somebody else hasn't asked yeah. us people will be like oh my god i haven't shaved my legs or you know <laughs> yeah, yeah yeah i'd never notice yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, or even like if if you have your period you can yeah. still do this scan oh, yeah, and, you know i'm you know i'm sure people would be very like oh my god you can't do it but no you yeah can. you can't it doesn't make a difference it, so there are some scans that need to be done at certain times of sure. cycle but most of them we can do um regardless yeah. if somebody's got their period um so what we do is you would be brought through into the the scan room um we have a chaperoning policy there so you're so does, it, does that mean if someone wants someone to be there yeah. as well as the person who's doing so the scan? actually so you can you can have somebody with you um or or if it was a chaperone that would usually be provided by the clinic so I would have yeah. maybe a second nurse with me yeah so regardless if it was me that was doing it or if it was Dr Kennedy that was doing it you're in you can ask for another person to be yeah. in that room with you and that's really important to um to, to make people feel of course that they're yeah. I suppose as, re- as relaxed as they can yeah. be or safe in that environment mm-hmm. um so when somebody's having a vaginal scan we're going to ask them to take off all of their bottom half and um, they've got a little uh, sort of paper to, to, yeah, to cover over with we do have um, stirrups on the bed that you have to pop your legs into um, and then the procedures that we, we have a scan probe um, that we there's a little sterile it's lovingly referred to as Wanda Wanda yeah <laughs> by anyone who's, who's gone through this uh, we, were, we were joking that uh, I could get you to just come and help with a few scans <laughs> where, where, really, because I think any patient that's going through treatment feel like they they'd be able to do I, yeah. I'm yeah. sure I'd be able to do a scan yeah <laughs> and do you know what that's like if somebody was particularly anxious, they, you, you can pass the probe yourself. Absolutely. Oh, I didn't even um, know that. Yeah. If I had somebody that was that's amazing. particularly anxious and, yeah. and things sometimes, um, and that might be I'll stand behind the curtain and they'll yeah, pass yeah, it yeah. and tell me to come in yeah. or I'll hand it to them and I'm there and they can just pass it that's themselves. That's amazing. I didn't know that. I don't yeah. think I would want to do that but some people might and a, it's yeah. just nice There's to have those options to make you comfortable yeah why people find these kind of things harder sure. than others and, sure. and for some people that little bit of control mm-hmm. just helps them yeah um and that's i should say like if a nurse is if you're having a scan done by somebody you know it, and, and i'll always say that if at any point you're this uncomfortable you want me to stop don't need to be polite just shout at me tell me to stop, stop. Yeah. yeah 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 um it, like a scan be five minutes could be 10 minutes it just depends on what type of scan we're doing what you're looking at yeah the the, the sort of initial ones are more like an assessment scan mm. and they take a little bit longer because we're looking at a few more things so we have a good look at the uterus we have a look at the ovaries um if i'm doing just a baseline ultrasound scan i i can't look at the tubes on an ultrasound scan and you can't make diagnosis of things like endometriosis mm. and things like that sometimes people 
think that you'll be able to see that. Sometimes you'll see things on a scan that you know then warrants more investigation and maybe it's a little red flag that I'm thinking maybe mm. there's something there, but I can't make those kind of diagnoses off scan. So I spoke about the tubes. There's a, a different type of ultrasound scan that we do to assess the tubes and that's something called a hycosy. Um, so a hycosy is essentially a tubal assessment scan. Um, it's a bit like uh, a hybrid of a, a smear test <laughs> and a scan. So a little bit more uncomfortable than just a standard scan mm. because um, what we do is we, we pass a speculum, we pass a little catheter through the cervix and then we inject a solution through that catheter. And what we're doing with that is we're trying to just, we open up the, the uterus and it gives us a better image so we're looking to see that there isn't anything we don't want to see so things like polyps or fibroids Mm -hmm. and then we inject a second solution and that's the solution that shows up on ultrasound that we see so it kind of lights up yeah yeah (laughs) i have this image of the hycosy as like you know this radioactive (laughs) it just shows up as really bright white on on the the scan but you can see it kind of going through the Mm. tubes then um and that so that results of a hycosy are are instant so Mm. we know right away we're going to talk you through it but that's how we assess if a tube is open. Okay. Um, we actually recommend doing that type of scan for for most patients, even people coming through for IVF. And the reason being that, um, as I mentioned, the assessment of the uterine cavity, because when you're when we're trying to help somebody get pregnant, we're looking at egg sperm, and then where we're going to put that potential yep. embryo as well. Yeah. Okay. So. These are kind of the female tests. Yes. Let's talk about the male tests. Yeah, so male testing, it's funny when I'm meeting a couple, I always go through and I've got a big long spiel about the female and then I look to the man and say, it's going to be much shorter Sperm and quicker analysis. for me yeah. <laughs> to talk to you about this. Yeah. So it's just usually a straightforward semen analysis. Um, so we get asked the male partner to come in. They're going to produce a sample. Mm-hmm. And that's going to go into the lab. And that's a, so when we talk about basic semen analysis, that's the embryologist looking at the sperm under the microscope there in our lab, looking at the volume of the sperm. They're looking at how it's moving, how it looks. And that's um, essentially the, the most in-depth kind of test that we do for most of the, the male partners. Um, sometimes we do a slightly more in-depth semen analysis, um, something called a DNA fragmentation test. And that is when that sperm sample is sent off to actually look at the DNA makeup of that sperm. There's different, we don't recommend it for everybody. Mm. There are certain things that when I meet somebody might be little um, indicators to do that. So things like if a person was on certain medications, Mm -hmm. so things like blood pressure tablets, um, things like if a person was a particularly heavy smoker, we, we ask about their occupation as well because sometimes if people have got jobs where they're maybe um, exposed to chemicals and things like that, they are things. Yep. Um, also, just the if there's like a history of recurrent miscarriage, yep. or sometimes um, a period of time that a couple have been trying to get pregnant yep. without any. So just kind pregnancy. of unexplained. Yeah, yeah. Um, as I say, all of these things are, are really individual. Sometimes for the, the male partner, we might need to do additional testing, so hormone testing or genetic testing, but that's usually something that comes as a result of the semen analysis. So if there was anything that came out of that, it may indicate um, that we need to do additional testing. Yeah. Okay. So th- that, <laughs> as you say, it's yeah. like big long list yeah. for, for the female testing yeah. and then 
yeah. we go. But that's that's essentially what you need. It is, yeah, yeah. Um, and I just, the the yeah the poor men are, are sometimes sitting there feeling bad about um, <laughs> that when you're sitting. But I'm like, yeah, that's essentially all that we need to yeah, do yeah, for yeah. them. Okay, so let's go back, circle back, and talk mm-hmm. about the cost because we haven't mentioned any prices yeah. yet. So, yeah. how much is IVF? So when you're looking at an IVF, it is 3995. Okay. And what does that include? Okay, so um an IVF cycle, so it includes everything that you would expect to include in that. So that would be um the the, the treatment plan, the monitorings, um so sorry, the issuing of prescriptions, um, the monitoring scans, the egg collection and sedation is all included in that. Um We've also include in that the blastocyst culture and embryoscope. And those are two things that sometimes are billed no. as add-ons. Uh, yes. Yeah. So why is that included in the package? What's the, what's the logic behind that? Yeah, so IVF in its infancy, um, we we didn't do things like blastocyst mm-hmm. culture or growing embryos onto day five, but as our... Um, that's what we did improved in the labs and things and we started to do that um we when we started to culture embryos onto day five because it was something new and we were keeping embryos for longer i suppose essentially it was a, a charge mm. um, for that so that historic charge just sort of stayed there and so for other more established clinics it becomes harder to i suppose go, go to back, take, take to that take that it away. away yeah so like people would have the like culture to day three included yeah. but if you want to culture to, to day, day five, five or six it's yeah. going to be a charge yeah but as us coming in as, as a as a brand new clinic with a really efficient lab um we know that actually it, it doesn't cost us anything more to to do that so we're not going to be adding that a cost onto a patient and also um, that it's it's more effective absolutely yeah it's you know that's what we that's want the standard. to do yeah 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 and what about the um the embryoscope yes yeah, so the embryoscope it's, it's the same kind of story it was some so um embryoscope is actually something that i saw coming in when i started it's very cool isn't yeah, it yeah yeah so embryoscope essentially is a type of incubator it's what we call closed incubation with time-lapse imaging so it means that we put embryos in and we don't need to disturb them. So when we don't have that time lapse imaging, what they would have had to do before, would they have to take, take them out them and disturb out, them? Put them under a microscope, look at them. And they had very tight windows of time that they could do that in. Mm. And obviously when you're taking them out, you're exposing them to the environment in the lab and things like that. So in the embryoscope, you don't need to disturb them. You can control that environment very closely. And it means that you've got this continuous monitoring. So if you took an embryo out at one stage to look at it, um, and it maybe looks like exactly how you expect it to be, but maybe it did something weird and wonderful to get to that stage, which you wouldn't know about. If you but didn't when, have the time yeah, lapse. Yeah, when you've yeah. got the time lapse, you can say, oh, yeah. actually. This and embryo, then you might choose not to use yeah, that one so and use a different one. Yeah, so you would say, okay, so actually, but this other one here has done everything that we expected it to. So, and that grades it a little bit higher yeah, yeah, yeah. than the other one. Okay, so that's included. Yes. And then the actual freezing of so, embryos? Yeah, freezing. So the freezing process is also included mm-hmm. in that that so once you have anything in storage so egg sperm embryos um there is a storage fee of 18 euro per month for that and that's different to other clinics yeah. where you'd normally pay, pay yearly and yeah an annual storage yeah. fee or or sometimes 
like a, a three-year period, something like that. Um, that's a bit annoying to pay for three years if you might use them in three yeah, months. Yeah, and that's or, what, how I'd explain it to people. Yeah. Say what the reason that we're doing this monthly is that firstly it's a, a smaller manageable cost, so you don't have to suddenly find a big chunk of money mm. when you've just paid for an IVF cycle. Um, but also, if you have an embryo in storage and you use it, like you say, within a few months period, you're not you've not paid for an annual yeah. Um, fee yeah okay um so what is not included in the cycle because sometimes yeah. people kind of get confused about the testing and is testing Definitely. part of treatment yeah so there's a couple of things that's not included in a cycle firstly the medications um and that so, goes for any clinic yeah because sometimes people are like why are you not including the medication but no clinic no includes clinic medication no, no but we are very lucky in ireland that uh, fertility medications are covered on the drugs payment scheme um so i think it's 114 yep. euro that a person pays for that and you all of the medications that we're going to prescribe for a cycle will be covered on that so you'll pay it once yeah in a cycle and when you pay the drugs payment scheme it's not like you have, you don't have to pay to um sign up to that or anything yep. you just pay the month that you need the medications yep. and the important thing i know 114 is still a chunk of money well it's a uh, yeah. a little bit lot different yeah, yeah. than what the alternative yeah. would be because the, the they're expensive medications into thousands of euro mm. like i've seen people paying nearly Out the of cost pocket. of an ivf again for their medications yeah. so um we're really lucky in that respect so that's not included that you would you pay that to your chosen you, pharmacy. so you'd be given your yeah. prescription by the clinic and then yeah. you'd go to your pharmacy and absolutely um testing as you said isn't included so any of the the baseline investigations that i have already spoken about that we recommend they're not included and what is the kind of price range to give people an idea Wait, kind of so i i feel that we're really competitive with that as well mm-hmm. um renee so we're we're talking at the um actual we have a female fertility profile um so all of that testing i mentioned the amh the rubella the thyroid chlamydia gonorrhea full blood count 200 euro okay very good um then we do the the scan if so, if somebody needs a scan, it's a hundred euro. If we're doing a high cozy, it's three hundred euro. A semen analysis is a hundred euro, um, and then we're also looking at the uh, DNA fragmentation test, mm-hmm. which is three hundred. But you you don't have to have if you're having a DNA fragmentation, you don't pay for a semen analysis okay. as well. That would be carried out as part of that test. Okay. Then. Okay. And another thing I think that's important to note here is that if you've had any of this testing done previously a lot of the time we can accept transferable yeah i I, the only thing really is that i want the results to be within a year yeah you want uh, yeah because and also like obviously you just want people to have the best shot at a successful cycle or whatever they're looking at doing and you know to have the most accurate picture Mm -hmm. of someone's fertility health is what's going to help you yeah to do that um and so I, I would always say that to people like sometimes they'll come in with um some of the testing done and that's great it's yeah. transferable we'll and likewise if you have testing done with us they're your results you can go somewhere else and use them. yeah absolutely absolutely um so then let's just talk about the initial kind of consultation because before someone decides to go ahead with you know treatment yeah they're going to come in obviously for an initial consultation with one of the nurses yes. and that's totally free which is amazing charge yeah. Uh, yeah because that just allows people to come in have a look meet everyone and just kind of get a feel for the place for the people and have a chat about what mm-hmm. what they'd like to do yeah with no obligation yeah which is really nice um so i i think that's fantastic i yeah. love that we're doing that um and i think 
I think we, you and me have spoken about this before that I think patients like seeing a nurse first because it just I think making that first step to come into a fertility clinic in the first place is, is difficult Daunting, yeah yeah and then they come in they kind of have that so our process is that you'd come in you'd have that consultation with the nurse I'd recommend the kind of testing that mm. I want you to have done you'd have that testing and then you'd come back and you'd meet Dr Kennedy or, or one of our consultants who would interpret those results interpret those and results, talk yeah. about kind of next steps yeah so and what the charge for the doctor consultation is yeah so you, 100 euro to meet again which is i think a bargain <laughs> yeah yeah certainly is i mean it's not much more than you're paying to see a gp and yeah. certainly These cheaper are, than i've yeah. paid to see consultants previously yeah yeah um but it just means as well i think you've been in already so a little bit of that anxiety is maybe mm. just gone and um, there's kind of a full picture yeah. of what you want to do mm-hmm. you have your testing done you've had the initial kind of all of all of those details taken and those conversations so but that by the time you get to a consultant yeah. they also have a very it. exactly you're yeah. getting you know yeah. you're really making the most of your time mm-hmm. you're not starting from scratch um and when we so when the nurses meet the patients we're, we're very much giving them an idea we're giving them a lot of information before and then we're sending them off as well with so some information we're giving them the consents as well so that they're getting a chance to look at those and i would say to people have a look at that because if you've got any questions and i'm i'm saying you know write those down before so when you come back you, you know that you're going to see him and you can ask those questions yeah. because I think a lot of the time people would come in they see a consultant first they're so and then afterwards yeah. they're like oh I wish I'd asked mm-hmm. that yeah yeah and I know from you know previous experiences people go in and see a consultant and then very you're nearly repeating the consultation with yeah. them again yeah. on the phone or yeah. you know so I think um our experiences we're, we're seeing that this is, is working a little bit better for yeah. patients yeah. um i won't go through all the other kind of cost costing options but they are you know they're again on they're, our website. they're on our yeah. website um <laughs> and they're it it's very competitive yeah. and very much more accessible and i think also to mention that we do have our payment plan yeah which is different again yeah um which is an amazing option to be able to offer to people mm-hmm. that they if they apply for finance and um they choose to go with the financing mm-hmm. option they can start their treatment immediately yeah yeah um and that's a good thing cause sometimes people think that they uh, would have to, to pay that off, pay it before, off before, but no yeah. it's just it's it's just an option to help you out there um as well you know you might you might have some of the money saved already you so you might only finance. want to finance yeah, part of it yeah. yeah it's just there as it's another option yeah and it's certainly it's something that's I what discuss. it's all about isn't it it's yeah. giving people options giving mm-hmm. people ownership over yeah. what what they want to do with yeah. their fertility mm-hmm Okay, Um, I'm going to finish up now by asking you some frequently asked (laughs) questions because there are some things that kind of come up time and time again. Um, One of these is how many visits, let's just take a standard IVF cycle. How many visits to the clinic is someone um, going to need to make? You know, say we have someone coming from Cork or Galway Mm -hmm. and they're making that trip. How many times will they actually physically need to come to the clinic? Mm -hmm. And can any of that be done virtually yeah so i would say if once you're actually in a treatment cycle you're looking on average three to four appointments fortunately those appointments can't be virtual because they're the actual scans scans and egg collection um procedure and sorry also the embryo transfer transfer as well um so with the scanning 
they're usually um, happening alternate days um, and it's a sort of 15 minute appointment you're in you're out and, and they're early can, in the morning yes, usually yeah so our scan lists do run early and the reason that they happen early is because sometimes when a patient comes in for a scan we might need to do a blood test as mm-hmm. well and we need those results back the same day so we need to get that blood's taken and sent out to the lab early yeah. um, so most people are able to sort of pop in for their scan and then go to work as yeah. well after obviously it's different if you are traveling quite a distance but we we give people plenty of warning about when they'd be expected to come in we kind of tell them provisional dates for the first two scans at least and when we think egg collection would fall so you're looking at um as i would say to people two to three scans then an egg collection procedure and then about a week later then your um, embryo transfer hopefully perfect and if someone is like say someone is based close to the clinic they're not Mm -hmm. having to travel too far um are people gonna have to be taking time off work you know are there any days that so, they have to take yes, off work? Egg collection, you absolutely need to have the day off work because you're being sedated. Mm. So I don't think anybody's going to welcome you in an <laughs> office doing, I don't know what you might be doing then after that. It'll be an interesting day at work. But no, you, you're not going to want to yeah. do it anyway. So you need that day off. And I always tell people, take the next the next day off as well. Um, some people will say you could go back, but like I will say, well, sedation, it's, it's a 24 hour thing. Mm. So you need to think about if your sedation is at 12 o'clock in the day, you shouldn't yeah. be driving for yeah. 24 hours and just, you know, you've just remind your, yourself yeah, and you've asked your body yeah. to do a lot. Yeah. And I think it's just nice to yeah, have a bit, a of, day bit of time to chill. Absolutely. On the sofa. Especially if you're planning on then having a fresh embryo transfer, as some people may be doing, mm-hmm. um, you know, kind of just to gear up for that. Because if you're having an egg collection and then you're having a fresh embryo transfer, that potentially could be five days later. Mm -hmm. Okay, next question. Um, A lot of people want to know about the actual medications, like the injections. Are they painful and do they make you crazy? (laughs) (laughs) Two Um, different questions. Do you know what? I think people worry about that so much. Um, And I always, what I would say to people is that they they worry more about it than, than what it actually turns out to be um are the injections painful so like back to my kind of tagline i think i should have it tattooed that you know better ways to spend your time i think nobody wants to do them they're manageable i think as you the longer that you're on them you probably get a little bit more sensitive and things Mm -hmm. but um you know it's a short time frame that you're on them and they're teeny teeny tiny needles like really small they're what we call so we we call it subcutaneous Mm. which essentially means it's just going into the kind of fatty Mm. tissue or the skin yeah so so it's not going like deep into the yeah um and just the thing is we've got little demonstration Mm. videos on our our portal for patients made by a wonderful (laughs) instructor (laughs) Uh, when my my partner saw him was like did you not have a script he he wasn't very (laughs) impressed i think he thought it'd be more professional (laughs) they're lovely i've uh, heard lots of people saying that they're very helpful and you can kind of they're on your portal and you can just yeah and you can pause them and you know do a little bit at a time um and then yeah when people come in for a scan they're like oh you're the one on the video yeah (laughs) so um but that's you know at least you've you've got that and I think that's far better than coming in and having an injection demo you know and then you're not going to remember it yeah yeah yeah. so they're there on your portal they're there for all the time um as I said it's you're you're kind of taking these we prescribe enough for 14 days so you've taken them for that and then you've got a wee break between egg collection um and then you start back onto another injection that you'd be taking hopefully up until um an early pregnancy scan then Okay. Um, and do they make you 
a bit yeah so hormonal I would, what I kind of say to people is it's certainly it's again it's so personal to every person yeah it's very different um, like some people and, find them really like you yeah. really don't feel like yourself and then some people are like oh well. yeah and in cycle to cycle can change sure. you know you might meet people that have done a few and they've been fine on them for the first three cycles and then they've got one that's just a, a rogue cycle there for them but yeah. um headaches certainly people mm. if you're a wee bit prone to that um kind of premenstrual and things like that yeah. you're probably going to get that yeah safe to take paracetamol drink lots of fluids mm. when you're on these medications um people sometimes ask about alcohol and things when you're yeah. on it i'm never you know really you should be looking to cut back on what mm. you're doing but it's there's no contraindication mm. as such but i would kind of say to people it's probably more the case that if you have a glass you're going to feel a bit more like you've had a bottle so it's probably not a good idea when yeah. you're actually on the medications yeah. yeah and then mood wise again um you know some people find them a little bit more um um taxing than others but most people are fine i think you're kind of concentrating so much on everything that you're doing that you probably you know yeah don't think that it's that eye on the prize <laughs> mm, yeah eye on yeah. The prize, yeah um and you know that's it. it's it's certainly if it's something we just encourage people to talk to us about it anyway mm, absolutely okay what is the main form of communication with between uh nurses and patients or doctors and patients and that's something yes. that we get asked a lot so um in therapy we have a patient portal and that is our primary means of communication that's how you're going to get in touch with us it's how we're going to get in touch with you um the majority of all of our communication will be through the portal obviously there's times that people might need a phone call mm -hmm. um and that's up and sometimes people will request to even you know sometimes you're back and forth in the portal um and you might just and need they're to like hey the i just want to yeah, chat to you yeah. yeah and that's fine yeah. and that's um what we're doing but i um, have to say my experience of um working elsewhere with, with when we're doing phone things and that you're constantly playing phone leaving tag, voicemails yeah, yeah. getting missed calls and it means that you've got your instructions once we send them there and you can look back on yeah, them you don't have to yeah. remember what you said Absolutely. in a phone call yeah yeah so um that's what we're using and um i think we're getting really good feedback yeah from it's patients. working really well yeah okay yeah. um another thing people are asking is can you do things like egg donation PGAT, you know, testing yeah. that are not advertised. Yeah. So, so those things are not advertised on our website because we don't do them. Hmm. Um, I mentioned at the start that you know we've I, we've all sort of came from clinics where we did offer these, and um, there's absolutely a place for those kind absolutely. of um, add-ons, but they're um, they're just they're not things that we are offering at therapy. And I have had some patients who've came in and with the intention of, mm. of wanting that and just didn't realise that we we didn't yeah. offer it. And I think one of one of the reasons I know from talking to Dr. Kennedy at least mm -hmm. is it's kind of like we're a brand new clinic. Mm -hmm we want to be really really good at doing um, the things we do doing yeah and that's that's one yeah. of the reasons for it it's not to say that it's not needed it's not oh, valid absolutely and yeah. i know that certainly um i mean egg donation is it's really difficult for patients mm -hmm. especially in covid really impacted in sure. that for patients um but it's it's just not an, a service that we're in a position to, uh, at the moment, to yeah. offer at the moment but we certainly will give people as much guidance as we can and send them in the direction of clinics that we know can help it's them. not just going to be no we no. don't do this goodbye and do this instead or yeah, no, yeah, yeah. we yeah. will we are going to to help direct patients, them to yeah, where to where, where we think it would be best yeah, yeah. Absolutely. okay um 
Okay, last question. And this is something that's very hard to answer. It's how long is a piece of string? But what is the chance of someone having success with a cycle of fertility treatment? And what would you say to yeah. anyone who's maybe thinking about taking those first steps? So that's is exactly what I say. <laughs> it's, and that's what I say to people. That's a how long is a piece of string question. When it comes to success and statistics, it's so personalized to a patient or a couple because that person's baseline is going to impact on what that outcome could be. So when people come into us, you've already made the first great step. You're being proactive, you're coming in, we're gonna do the test. And, and what I'd say to them is, so when you say, come in to, to meet me for a nurse consult, going to get that test in and you're going to go in and meet with Dr. Kennedy or one of our other consultants and they're going to go through that and they're going to interpret those results and they're going to be able to give you a bit better of a, um, a guide on so what they won't they won't be. be able to tell you exactly like Absolutely, you have a 50% yeah. chance but they will be able to kind of give you an idea yeah yeah and and I suppose I was talking about this about not wanting to be a big black cloud but it's I'm always saying to people, nothing that we do is a guarantee. Mm. And and sometimes I do meet people that that's a shock for. And when mm. I do talk about sort of rough statistics, that they're really taken aback by that. Um, but it's um, just trying to be realistic. And as I say, you're you're in the right place. Yeah. That's what you're doing. You're This is the being in a fertility clinic and, and getting testing and potentially going with the treatment is the right step and well and it's, it's doing improving. something instead yeah. of doing nothing, nothing. yeah so absolutely. you have a chance yes. as opposed to no chance yeah yeah and you know yeah I'm sure you see it varies wildly that people who have you know really really you know good chance at a successful outcome and it doesn't necessarily work yeah. and then you have people mm-hmm. who really had a very small chance mm-hmm. and it works yeah. and that's yeah. that's the nature of it is and it's the hardest part about it I think for for patients and you know I know it's not the same because it's it's completely different for me to say it's the same for us but you know it's difficult for us as the the people that are treating you to to try and to see that as well but you know what we're trying to do is just empower you as much as we can and just give people a shot yeah yeah absolutely okay well thank you so much this was lovely and I think we could have um, gone on for a few hours (laughs) but we'll stop yeah Renee's like please stop (laughs) thank you